saying something is natural or unnatural is, first of all, just flatly incorrect. It's so easy to just make a claim that feels right and then just spout about how it's nature. How much should we test things before we actually shift them into production? To the credit of those wanting to regress, at least you know what you're going to get. Philosophers. Philosophers. All right, David. I have a topic that I hope will not turn into a rant tonight. Oh boy. Yes. Um. So the topic is, I guess, naturism. I, I think originally I said it was going to be naturalism, and then we actually looked at what the definition of that means, and it's not that. It's naturism. Well, after looking at definitions, I think it's safe to say. That there's just not a word for the thing we're talking about. Um, there's a fallacy for the thing we're talking about. Yes. So, okay. Let's let's go through the things. Okay. Naturalism, which is something we're not talking about, is the philosophical stance that only natural forces uh, operate on the universe, right? As opposed to supernatural ones. <laughs> um, naturism, uh, which was the name I proposed for what we're talking about, um is apparently a lifestyle and cultural movement advocating social nudity. Which is closer than what we're talking about. That is much closer to what we're talking about, but not it. Um, a related thing on the disambiguation page on Wikipedia for naturism, I think is closer to what we're talking about. Nature worship. That's very close to what we're talking about. <clears throat> um, but I think the appeal to nature fallacy is probably the best description of what I think I want to talk about tonight. Okay. So, to set the context as to why I even wanted to talk about this in the first place... What did Neil deGrasse Tyson do to you? Nothing this okay. week. Um, <laughs> I'll keep you updated. Uh, nothing. I, I recently finished uh, the book Immune by Philip Detmer. Most people probably don't know who that is or that book. Um, but if you are listening to this, there is a chance that you may have caught his YouTube channel, uh, Kurgs Kasacht. In a nutshell, Kurzgesagt. Whatever. German. German word. German word that I'm pretty sure also just means in a nutshell, although I don't it, actually know. It means uh, briefly. In a nutshell. Yes. So, anyway, I do not want to go on an aside as to why he decided to do it in German. That's not important. <laughs> but, uh, great YouTube channel, I think. Um, it, fans of CGP Grey may, may also enjoy, I would say. It's pretty to look at and informative. Yes, I can I can vouch for Kurzgesagt. Okay, so the book Immune, as the name might suggest, is about the immune system. Um, it's a great book, great entry-level uh, reading on how your immune system, <clears throat> in a nutshell, works. <laughs> um, and I thoroughly good read, highly recommend it, but this isn't a book club. But one of the final chapters of the book talks about things that we as humans can do to modify our immune systems. He, in, he, he purposely avoids the phrase boost because your immune system is about balance too much of your immune system and you get AIDS, um, which is not good. Uh, and too little means you just die of infection. So he's talking about vaccines, things that we can do. So we're essentially handing the remnants of, of what we would have had in an infection to our immune system and saying, Hey, tuck this away for later right. so that you can remember what this looks like. So that when you see it again, you can respond more quickly. It's training. It is. It's yeah. It, instead of facing an army at once, we're taking a bunch of uh, soldiers who have had their hands and feet cut off and throwing them onto the battlefield instead. Not as dangerous, but still the enemy. Good enough. Probably a dark analogy. That book's also full of weirdly violent analogies. Well, I mean, yeah. The immune system kind of be like that, though. It kind of be. You, you have things that are <laughs> named things like killer T-cells, natural killer cells. Yeah, because that's what they do. They that, kill. Well, they don't, though. That's the other weird thing about it. And this is not an episode about the immune system. They actually tell other things to commit apoptosis, which is organized suicide. <laughs> kill yourself, but cleanly that's how they in do an it. organized way <laughs> it, yeah, literally like tear yourself into little easy to pick up pieces so that something else can come along later a macrophage and it gobble you up you got it boss you got it boss <laughs> just immediately begins doing so um but the point is 
he mentions specifically movements of people who are anti-vaxxers essentially and the greater movement to which they belong as do the people uh from your second definition um the nudity definition Mm -hmm. that that's the way we should be and it's this general feeling of well it It ain't natural it ain't natural and and what they mean because this is the important thing that i think that it's going to really kick off why this is even a topic what i think people really mean when they say that is well this is not what i understand to be natural because the most common thread i find that everyone who says something to this effect is they don't actually know or have a good grasp on what nature really means well yeah so, yes, yeah, the first the first place that I always go when people start talking about what's natural and what's not, be like, by the way, everything is natural. That's true. Everything you have ever experienced ever is natural. Um, you are natural, contrary to your intuitions, maybe. Because um, humans love to believe that they're special. Um, right. And I mean, I guess it's natural to feel that way. We are special amongst animals, right? Well, we have a, by that, I mean, in our behavior, um, well, and certain abilities, according to us. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, we have dominance over the land on our terrestrial planet now. Yeah. True. Other things had that. That's true. To similar extent, even arguably. Fair enough. Anyway, the point is. Um, that you are natural. You are yes. a result of natural processes. Um, and your very behavior <clears throat> is governed by natural forces. Mm-hmm. Everything that you do, everything that anybody does is natural. Right. Poisoning the water supply is natural because people <laughs> did it and they're natural. Animals, other animals do it and they're well, natural. Yes. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all natural. So saying something is natural or unnatural is, first of all, just flatly incorrect. Nothing is unnatural. And that's all great and true. But you don't even need, even if you were to grant the term artificial, which is essentially a nice label for people to put on things humans do that no one else does that we right. don't, or sorry, things humans do that we don't realize that other things do just in slightly different contexts. Mm-hmm. You, It's still stupid because things we did like there's there's a dimensional context to this where if you look back in history of all these things we did because that's all that's oftentimes what a lot of people are talking about good example um vaccines ain't natural okay what about antibiotics because mm-hmm. there's degrees of this right and and, th- and that's my whole thing is i i hate this whole thing because it that the core is this denial of a fundamental fact about reality and what's frustrating is that the degree to which, though, it can be applied can sometimes appear reasonable. Because at the most mild forms of it, you have essentially just conservatism. The thing we did last year was natural. Everything today ain't. So, right. You know what wasn't natural, quote unquote, once upon a time? Cooking. Yeah. Like basic stuff that we, that is a, a fundamental part of being human now was not always it used to be the newfangled thing mm-hmm. that had never been seen before in nature right and i mean but even more but even more mild than that so good example an example of people that have somewhat of a naturalist bent the amish mm. where they just kind of have an arbitrary point in time where we decided this is the highest on the tech tree that we should go yep everything beyond this is they may not even use that terminology so i'm not trying to throw Amish people under the bus but it's still the same vein it's yeah obviously living in small tight-knit religious communities using wheels and simple levers and metals is okay but electricity whoa there that's the devil that's the devil's magic yeah because we decided um you know that's no different than some of the other things. And so what I what I kind of wanted to hopefully not rant, but kind of talk about is some of the more common things that I hear that are this, but because they're watered to such a mundane degree, it can get mistaken for something else and even sometimes appear somewhat reasonable. Mm. So let's go with, we, we've already crapped on the Amish. So let's, let's go to the one of the more common ones, vaccinations, anti-vaccinations. 
most of the people who are opposed to vaccinations are in fact vaccinated because most people opposed to vaccinations are adults. Most adults, especially those who attended a public school at some point in their lifetime, were vaccinated whether they liked it or not mm -hmm. when they were like born and then four or five years old. Mm -hmm. um, the vaccines that they got were are not the same ones that we get today necessarily. Some of them are, but they were vaccinated and they've thus benefited in a way that they can't understand because they haven't experienced. Yeah. You don't get the chance to go live a life, not vaccinated and then try it out. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. This is not a science experiment you can do on yourself. Right. Um, but they instead are making these decisions for their children and to be fair, I guess, grain of salt. If I did not understand what these were and i were incredibly skeptical of injecting serums into me or my child i get it i think it is okay to be skeptical mm -hmm. but in fact i would say it is good to be skeptical yes and there's nothing wrong with saying that you're skeptical mm -hmm. where you cross the line here is if you're opposed to vaccinations because it ain't natural and right. I would much rather have a little Jimmy run around in the mud and pick up natural immunity, which, again, is reasonable. That will happen. But the mud doesn't have influenza. The mud probably doesn't have measles in it. So that's not what we're trying to stop. You know, like, right. We're, we're not, trying to talk. We're trying to stop the real nasties that your body just isn't prepared for. And can have long term problems. Tuberculosis measles these things that if you get them once you won't get them again but you may be infirm and maimed for the rest of your life mm -hmm. as a consequence you know um lyme disease is another great one that it just absolutely can destroy the rest of your life you know um or in the case of something like hiv where once you do get it you can't oops well i guess i'll take the vaccine now it's not a cure you can't un you can't un HIV yourself mm -hmm. you are just you just now have this forever right. it's permanent it's part of you now yeah and to be fair I don't really care much for the herd immunity argument necessarily I it's a good argument don't be wrong but the people who don't want this are not going to be convinced by I think what about others because they're they're already are disregarding and not focusing on anyone else other than themselves because to them this is a local scoped problem mm -hmm. right uh, so not saying that it isn't a good argument, but someone has to say that it doesn't help. It's, you know, they have to get to the point where they're, even if it is. You have to talk to people within their experience. Right. Yeah. And so even you get to keep it there. So that's one example. Um, and yes, vaccines are absolutely not natural, but neither are antibiotics. Neither is, neither are doctors, you know, um, or modern medicine. Yeah, any of the nice things you enjoy are not Hy natural. Hygiene, soap. Like, how far does it go, right? And I right. think most of the time, if you if you start with just... It, it may feel like moving the goalpost, but it points out that the underlying issue is this just subjective... And, it, and I feel like if you can get most people to just admit that, okay, I'm just subjectively saying this because I don't like it or I, I like it. That's right. a great place to get to. It makes me feel icky. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Just be honest. That's yeah. that's okay. Things make us feel icky. Yes. It's, it's okay to feel icky. You know. But you can be, you can be reassured to feel less icky about things, you know, and learn about it, you know. Right. So... That, that's like the first one for me that, that came from the book that made me want to do this topic. But there are other things that like grind my gears a bit. So mm -hmm. um, uh, one that you kind of already mentioned, uh, environmental damage. Mm. So this is one where, interestingly enough, the argument is in the reverse where, well, it, to, to most people is that, oh, well, beavers, if left unchecked, would dam up every river and destroy entire ecosystems. So how is that any different from us polluting our environment with toxic chemicals? Forethought. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, beavers aren't aware that, yeah, beavers aren't aware that they're going to have to deal with that afterwards. They don't know how big the world is and how many rivers there are to dam up. Right. We do. <laughs> we do know that. Right. Um, beavers also aren't 
don't have a well-connected system where their food comes from downriver. Right, and a supermarket. <laughs> so it's a bit different. Um, and to the point, yes, environmental damage is perfectly natural. All things do it. Yeah, well, and fires. Yeah. Wildfires, right? Those mm -hmm. are natural. Yep. And sometimes can even be short-term destructive, long-term beneficial. Well, yeah, arguably wildfires are beneficial in the long-term, yes. But, um, yeah, but again... The other thing is that okay, here here's 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 a, a short tangent that I think also kind of it, it is a, a a facet of the of the nature worshiping types, uh, a, a tenet of their beliefs. Balance. Ooh, yes, that is a that is a mystical word to some people. It is. Um, because nature things in nature like to find balance, equilibrium. Yes. Right. Yes, equilibrium. However, just because equilibrium is, by definition, a stable position to be in, does not mean that it is conducive to what you would call a good environment. Or that it's the most stable. Right. But, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that the most stable is not necessarily the most good. Right. For instance, entropy. <laughs> your body is not stable. No. By the way, your body is not in equilibrium. Mm -mm. It is in homeostasis because you have several bodily systems working hard to keep you together. Right. Um, and you have to constantly keep consuming things to give you more energy to stay together today. Mm -hmm. You must destroy things to perpetuate yourself. That yeah. is part of being alive, mm -hmm. um, at least as a human being. So the there's this idea that things in nature seek equilibrium therefore this is also like what what makes people like offends people when they call things unnatural is they perceive that it is going to shift the balance mm -hmm. um and so but the thing is that yes the beavers presumably if left to their own devices they would shift the balance to all the rivers being dammed up and destroying ecosystems um and so would removing all the beavers Right. Yes, because ecosystems are very interconnected. Interconnected yeah. like this, or the, the the members of ecosystems are all very interrelated, um, in important ways that that are difficult to understand. So, the yeah, that that's that's the the difference that I guess we're trying to get back around to. The difference between what we're up to and what beavers are up to is that we actually can look out at the the information we have about our environment and the knowledge of the consequences of what we're doing. And we can consider those things and contemplate whether or not they're suicidal because we're destroying the environment that we depend on. Right. And also acknowledging that even though we have foresight, we may not know everything, but we're also, at, we actively adapt as well. That's another thing that's a bit different about us than other creatures is that if you take the river away, beavers will leave. And you might right. say, see, the beaver is adapting. Well, not really. A true adaptation would be the beavers learn to live without rivers. Yeah. Or learn to live with compromised rivers. Right. Um, but they don't. They just go look for the next river to mess up. Yeah. Um, or like a better example, uh, bears. Bears do not really swim. Like they can, don't get me wrong. But they're not, with the exception of maybe the polar bear. Yeah, not, polar bears are probably the best ones. But yeah. But that's not really prefer to be. They're, they're, they're still land mammals. Um, and if you took away all their land... They do not all of a sudden just become really good swimmers and can just be fine doing that. No. Now, given enough time, and they become seals. Right. But that's that level of evolutionary adaptation takes a very long time. Yes, and well, and special pressures to make those conditions happen because otherwise the bears will do exactly what the beavers will do, and they'll go look for more land to do bear land bear things. Right. Mm -hmm. A bear does not become a seal. Right. No. Um. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that that's that's the the special thing that we do is technology. We augment ourselves with technology and adapt to environments that we are not naturally quote unquote suited for. Um, we make ourselves suited for them, right? Like, and that's why we are all over the globe. 
in many different climates that mm-hmm. we normally, if you were to strip everything else away from us, probably wouldn't be able to survive in. But there are humans that did brave Africa, not Africa, uh, well, Alaska. Also brave Africa, but <laughs> yeah, but I meant to say Alaska. Yes. There were humans that did brave Alaska, but not it hard, like to varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you take those same humans and plop them in a temperate forest, they're going to be much better off. They're going to be all right. You know? Um, but now it doesn't matter. We, we have, we have, H, we have AC like the, the average human could not survive in a Louisiana swamp or Florida. No, without AC units. It's deadly. Yeah. Yeah. But put some walls up, put an air conditioning yeah, unit. That's why we build houses everywhere. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. just that, that is our small little stable place that we can stay in. Um, and protect ourselves from the elements that would otherwise destroy us. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, that's not necessarily even unique to humans. Most no. things will construct some form of, I don't know if you can even use the word domicile, but they can construct things. Tool use is a thing that is brief, not limited brief to Brief side note about how birds are some of the only animals that build their own houses, and we feel the need to build houses for them. Okay. Uh, returning back to the... <laughs> <laughs> but they're not... Well, and, and actually, no, that's a pretty good aside because that's in part of the entire problem. We look at a bird's nest and don't see a house because right. that's not what we, that would not suit us. But when we build a birdhouse, we build we make them, it like a house. Yeah, yeah. To look like our houses. Now we don't put plumbing in them probably um, or anything like extreme, that. Yeah. Extreme. But, but in, for some reason in our minds, seeing a bird popping its head in and out of a birdhouse constructed by a human seems more right and nice to us. Like that bird's got it made to us, whereas bird in nest is on hard times. Like we see birds in naturally constructed bird nests as the equivalent of a human living in a cardboard box, Mm -hmm. whereas we built this thing a mansion, even though that's not at all what it is. You know, the, the and by the way, the bird's just going to build a nest inside of the hole. So exactly, as, as far as it's concerned, the bird is like, "This is no place to call home until I put some sticks in here." Yeah, <laughs> look at this place. There's not a stick anywhere. <laughs> what am I going to get poked by when I'm trying to sleep? This doesn't make any sense. It's horrible. They look at our house and they go, "Man, that's a weird looking nest." You know, like <laughs> to anthropomorphize, but but yeah, but that, that's kind of the core problem with this as well is that we look at things in nature sometimes and say that's not well depending on where you are in the list, it's like, well, this is more natural and appropriate. And uh, I think the one that really kind of grinds my gears is when it comes to like interpersonal human relationships. That's an interesting one. Hmm. Um, and I mean that like or, to every degree, right? So what one thing, like actual relationships are one. So like concepts like monogamy mm-hmm. or polygamy or institutions like marriage and child rearing are... And people who make livings talking about nothing but that because we are so obsessed with that facet of our lives. Um, I think it was you who were telling me about uh, the brief history uh, until it was the world until yesterday, mm-hmm. where uh, I think it was the people who were living in these uh, villages think that it's funny that we spend the same amount of time looking for mates as they do looking for food and then they spend about the same amount of time looking for food as we do oh looking for mates. yes yeah food is very scarce but yeah you can find a mate no problem that's just kind of just yeah that's a given to them right yeah um so this whole arena is, is made up of people trying to figure this out especially in the west but if you listen to a lot of people's opinions about what is the what is the correct arrangement for human relationships or familial structures? You get a lot of different opinions, but a lot of them will have various claims to what is natural. So you'll hear some things like, well, monogamy is not really natural. Um, it makes way more sense to just have as many offspring as possible, you know, or to have shorter term alliances that work out until they're no longer convenient and then seek another alliance with a more fitting mate. Right. And you get into weird topics like hypergamy and stuff like that, where people will only be in a relationship until they have the opportunity to seek a better relationship and adapt up, Mm -hmm. you know, but almost all of these are tainted with some form of, but that's how it is in nature, you know? And I hear the bird analogy brought up a lot here where, well, of course, you know, this is why peacocks look so beautiful. They flash their tail feathers and they attract a mate and whoever has the nicest tail 
feathers will attract a mate for that season. And next season, if you don't have the nicest tail feathers, then you don't, you know, whatever. A quick aside, most of the time when I hear people use that analogy, they're referring to women, even though male peacocks are the ones that have the yes, pretty feathers. Yes, those are the ones with the feathers, yeah. Pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, all of this aside, comparing complex human relationships, which have a lot to do with like moral and higher thought overlap and opinion for compatibility purposes to yeah well obviously if you painted your face red obviously women are going if you paint your butt red obviously women are going to be more attracted to you much like the noble baboon you know like yeah but but we're not those but we're not those you know and we're not birds we're not baboons yeah and but the same people will also not accept that yeah, but it would also just be perfectly natural for you to die at 35 after passing on your genes. That's perfectly normal. Or if if you really wanted to, you know, have that person over there as your partner, take them. Yikes. Yeah, pretty rough when you start thinking about it like that. But nature's like that. Nature is like that. Yeah. And I think that's kind of... you, ducks. Um, at, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, go research ducks if you want to be horrified um it, it is true <laughs> like everything that you think if you if you only knew about the world through hr meetings at a company right <laughs> that's that's how it actually is for ducks but a billion times worse um to the point where it's even evolutionary like i don't know that how much we can actually go into it or i kind of don't want to okay that's fine <laughs> it, i guess fair warning here it's pretty it's pretty horrific um yes. what goes on there but yeah like the the other doesn't matter in nature right um and that's another concept i guess i'll hearken back to you from the book immune is one of the biggest things your immune system does is separate you from literally everything else not even other living things only like your immune system can fight off toxins which aren't alive right just poisons yeah yeah it's like oh that's not me though and do something about it um and it's frequently mentioned that cells do not care about anything they don't they can't care they lack the yeah, ability they don't have the faculties to care and that's true of nature nature cannot care not only does it not care it can't care balance is not a concept that any other anything in nature really understands or cares about because it doesn't matter it's it's much more based on survival like that that's the ultimate default nature state of humans is literally taking what you need or can get and what you want until someone does it to you Mm-hmm. right um and it's pretty pretty terrible pretty awful um i guess it would make this somewhat philosophy related um the state of nature is a concept often discussed in philosophy mm-hmm. um uh, hobbes i believe is the first time i was introduced to it um and he talks about why and he was using this as an argument to justify why things like monarchies are maybe not good but how it it's better um because at least with a monarchy you know who the one bad guy is right you know um everyone knows the bully's name everyone knows the bully's name and everyone knows who the biggest bully on the block is and that keeps everyone else in line right and just from fighting about who's the biggest bully yeah yeah because it's it's a foregone conclusion don't need to even fight about it that guy will win so we'll just let him win yeah Mm -hmm. and because we all know he will win or she will win, I guess, whatever. It doesn't matter. Because we know they will win, we don't fight each other anymore. And instead are forced into a mild form of cooperation, which even though there's a bully that can just come in and take whatever you have, they would have done it anyway in the state of nature. So at least now there's only one bully doing that and you can maybe just avoid them. Now, this is a gross oversimplification Mm -hmm. of his state of nature hypothesis. But I think if you sat down and thought about it pretty critically, that's not too far off from how a lot of anthropologists would describe how it actually happened for humans. Mm-hmm. And biologists would tell you that that's how it happens for other apes. Um, it's not always the biggest, baddest ape. Sometimes it's a coalition of, you know, apes that are together can take out the big bad but one of them is the chief of that and so even though he was weaker than the one big bad now he's in charge and there's a reason that bigger army diplomacy was kind of the way we did business for a long time Mm -hmm. and why the rule zero of most civilizations if not all is 
keep the army happy. Keep the thing that keeps other people from taking you over from also being used by someone else to kick you out. Because uh, every coup attempt ever was not led by... Well, every coup attempt, every successful coup ever was not done by just the populace. Even if it was them doing the majority of the heavy lifting, it's not because they defeated the army. It's because the army let them. Mm-hmm. Because the guy who was in charge convinced the army that they would stay the army and get the spoils when it was over. So, yeah, nature's pretty cruel. Pretty awful. Why would we want to be that? Why do we appeal to that? And why do we not aspire to better? And ultimately, the answer to all those questions is, we do. That's what morality is. Mm -hmm. And morality is one of the most unnatural, natural things that we do. It's we decided. Arguably, with some evolutionary pressure over time. I was going to say, Selfish Gene might have something to say about that. It might. But I think for the... That's looking at it over the time span of the vast majority of history, or of all time, right? right? Moral standards... Well, it explains our moral intuitions. Yes. Yeah. Biology explains our moral intuitions. But the expressions of those as ethics, maybe, then, Mm -hmm. are... If morality is the natural part of what we do, then ethics is something that stems off of that, making it still somewhat natural that gets applied in an artificial way to situations that are... The situations we find ourselves in now are not the ones in which we evolved our moral intuitions. Right. But we still make decisions, moral decisions within them. Right. And so... And a lot of these are kind of just we decided. Like, I I find it very interesting when you hear someone come along and ask about, like, well, what is truly objective? You know, is it objectively wrong for... Well, let me just stop you right there. No. No, it isn't. It isn't. Nothing Um, is objectively wrong. And it's uncomfortable to be put in that situation because I've had people straight up ask me, like, well, isn't murder objectively wrong? No. And... It's kind of hard to say that sometimes in the height of the moment without also sounding like you're kind of okay with it. Yeah, that doesn't mean I'm okay with murder. I think murder is terrible. Well, then why can't you say that it's objectively wrong? It's not objectively wrong. That's how I can't... (laughs) Objective by what standard? Everyone hear this? David thinks that murder is okay. I didn't say that. (laughs) But that's how the arguments will go. And so it's easy to get browbeaten into, you know, fine, it's objectively wrong, even though you know it isn't. Because... We murder people all it the time. It might be universally agreed upon that it's wrong, even though it also isn't universally agreed upon, because if that were, there wouldn't be murderers. Um, right. <laughs> also, what does it even mean to murder? Right. Yeah, that's the other fun thing. We Yeah, murder is a very specific word. It is. State-sanctioned killing. Well, state-unsanctioned killing is murder. Yes, correct. State-unsanctioned killing. Or, if your religion is your state, religiously unsanctioned killing yes you know but uh again all of this we decided crap is even if even if there are natural things that give us moral inclinations like they're very very basic and their application the specifics of their application are mostly we decided you know i think one of the the moral foundations that we observe in most humans is empathy. Mm -hmm. Like that is one of the first things that we can observe is that, Oh, or empathy or sympathy. It's empathy. It's empathy. Okay. We do. We generally do not like seeing other people suffer. Right. It makes us seeing other people feel bad. Makes us feel bad. Right. Um, be it because of like, what is it? Mirror neurons or whatever, whatever the reason is, then it's all in the camp of natural. Right. Well, yeah, there's a natural explanation for it all. Yeah, sure. But when you see someone feeling bad, what you do about it or what you should do about it. Kind of up to you. Kind yeah, up to you. It's kind of artificial. Kind of depends. And your system cannot prepare you for the right way exactly to handle each situation, but it can instead just provide a motivation to say, well, let's just go in this direction. Something along these lines. Um. And so taking this back to like the human relationship example, sure, you can, you can be the person who believes that like, yeah, just having, 
what's natural and successful is me having as many kids as possible with as many people as possible to diversify my gene set, right? Even though that's not the point either. If you knew how genetics work, it's actually about your grandkids, but whatever. Go read the selfish gene. Yeah, but, go read the selfish gene. But how is that going to, how are you going to feel about that? You know, ethically, you know, is that really a responsible thing to do? More importantly, you are not existing in an ethical vacuum by the fact, A, that you need other people to procreate yeah, so with. I mean, yeah, this is this is definitely a, a, a line of thinking that gets people led astray, is that, like, like the, the, the overarching category is, like, anything... Okay, we are products of natural selection. Therefore, the things that are encouraged by natural selection are inherently good. Yep. Um... And that's just not true. Like you can't, well, not objectively true. Um, yeah, just because, just because, yeah, we, we have, pressures. we have deduced, we have deduced that, um, yes, that if there is one quote unquote biological imperative, it is to reproduce, but that doesn't mean that reproducing is good necessarily. It just means that that's what caused you to be and what caused you to be the way you are. Right. Um, that's all that means. It doesn't. It doesn't imply anything about what you should do, or what's better or worse of a characteristic of a person or anything like that. Because this is also where eugenics comes into the picture. It's like, oh, you know. Then we start thinking about, oh yes, we need to think about the good of the species. So let's, you know, start getting rid of the stupids and uh, yeah, and sterilize them, right? Yep. Or just kill them. <laughs> right. <laughs> But even then, it's not even your need to procreate, necessarily. That's actually not a driver. That's too complicated. Procreation is a process too complicated right? to have a driver for. Much like, how do you help someone who skins their knee? That's too complicated to be given as an intuition. Right. It's just the, hmm, that make me feel bad. Well, it, for each thing that make you feel bad, that's a natural inclination... For the procreation part is a thing that make me feel good inclination. Right. Well, spoiler alert, you don't actually need to procreate to stimulate that. No. Not going into detail on that topic, but there are all kinds... You could make the argument from nature that, yeah, as long as you satisfy that, that's all you're really trying to satisfy in nature. No procreation required. Even right. if that's not naturally how it would go in the absence of these things, because you're trying to obviously advocate against technology. But well, you don't need technology. <laughs> Very true. Technically, <laughs> technically you don't. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's it's so easy to just say, and, and don't be wrong, on the one hand, as a person who appreciates the things that the scientific method and technology have brought us and the scientific understanding of things, including the artificial science that we did to understand what nature and the facts about nature really even are, which are often not covered by people who want to claim what nature is and that's why it should be. Um, it's so difficult to actually step back and look at it as an objective measure because you can't be, right? Um, it's It's so easy to just make a claim that feels right and then just spout about how it's nature. Um, and then you can make that entirely personable. You can make it entirely about the species and you can change it at any level of scope. You can claim what is natural at any point in time. It's just a massive multi-dimensional gamut that the argument just kind of feels about right. And, and while I'm thankful that a lot of people understand things or at least have a concept now of things like natural selection, because in understanding that is important, especially just to understand more about the truth of how things work as we understand it anyway. But to then to take that, sum it up into natural selection mean thing that do this equal more procreation, equal more thing mm -hmm. that that's a gross oversimplification. And I think you see this happen a lot in just anything touted as science in the first place. Like there are people who hear one time about how vitamin C is good for your immune system. So they get sick and then take 
thousands of milligrams of vitamin C to boost it. Because the simple premise of vitamin C is good for your immune system or necessary is true. Mm -hmm. But the reality of how complex that actually is. Right. There's not one weird trick of drinking enough orange juice to make you feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, Um, or whatever. But if I have enough selective bias and my immune system is good enough anyway, and I happen to start feeling better afterwards, it's reconfirmed. And then I can just tell people. And then if I and someone says, that's not how that works. Or like, what, you don't think that vitamin C helps your immune system? The whole Mott and Bailey kind of mm-hmm. argument. Like, I, I find that the appeals to nature and the Mott and Bailey is like a wombo combo used by a lot of people. Yes. To... to really can we can we try to make wombo combo a real term in in the field of philosophy can we (laughs) the philosophy how do we get philosophers to start saying wombo combo unironically (laughs) just write a book that's all you have to do because by the way that's i'm getting started tomorrow have we i know we've had a topic floating around for a while about how ridiculous the realm of the the arena of philosophy is i don't know if we ever did an episode about that no but as an aside uh, you, dear listener, the only thing that separates you from being a qualified, died-in-the-wool philosopher and literally any other philosopher that ever existed is that they wrote what they thought about down. Yes. Or someone else wrote down what they said. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's it. And you should make up a couple of words. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I'm not using your words. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's all it is. It's just people saying, well, I mean, I think this is how it is. And I think this is why this should be how you do this and that, because I said so. And here's a complex way of kind of describing. And if that kind of feels intuitively right to you, then adopt it, you know? And that's why some of the most prolific philosophies that most people have some kind of a concept about like utilitarianism, Mm -hmm. they make sense. Sure. Utilitarianism makes a lot of sense. In, and then it makes a lot of horrific sense. Yes, until sometimes. you start thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> Right. And it's the same thing here. Like, if we were to call naturalism or whatever, or nature worshipism, a philosophy, it it's just like that. It makes a lot of sense in just casual conversation. Because you, uh, you can assert very little knowledge about a very deep subject, which gives it credibility bonus points. Because you're talking about smart stuff like adapt you know uh, adaptability and natural selection and stuff that's those are big scientific concepts but you know i'm going to be a good communicator and simplify it up and then attach it to why something is good and then all of a sudden that formula kind of makes sense in our brains when you hear it of first pass that kind of sounds about right you know good example back to the in the immune book i'm going to keep pulling examples from that because i just read it and i'm just going to keep talking about it for a while until i read something else um Autoimmune disorders like allergies are on the rise in the West. Hmm. That kind of sucks. I thought we were getting better at this kind of stuff, right? Well, there's a couple theories about why that's the case. Well, you know, we're killing off all these other bacteria and stuff that we used to fight. Maybe the immune system's just bored. Maybe things are out of balance. Maybe maybe the immune system has to be used enough to work right. Mm-hmm. You know? So... Clearly, the reason there are more allergies is because we're over-sterilized. So we, we clearly need to go back because allergies are horrible. Can you believe how bad allergies are for people? Can you believe that touching a peanut can kill you? How is that? That's the worst thing ever. We should go back to smallpox. That right. makes more sense. Yes. Except the person wouldn't say that. They would say, we can go back to just getting the cold like everyone else. But we and, still get the cold. Like, yeah, that's the cold the didn't go away. <laughs> that's not the point. That's not the point. You know, like, <laughs> just get the cold and, and you know, and then you won't have peanut allergies. <laughs> like, you know, I, I can't, it's it's so hard, David. I can't, I can't say it like I think they would because it's, it, I'm at a place right now where it's just so ridiculous. Yes. But, but that's, but they'll say that and say, well, clearly, you know, we've, you know, our bodies were evolved to fight. Our immune systems evolved alongside bacteria to fight bacterial infections. And when we take that away, the balance was out. And then nature needs to come in and restore balance. So it's going to start attacking peanuts and stuff. Yes. And you should stop wearing shoes so that you can get calluses on your feet and you don't need them anymore. Oh, my God. The people who wear those stupid toe shoes. Toe shoes? 
You seen those? I, I guess maybe once. I, I don't think I've ever seen a person actually wearing them. I have. <laughs> they're, they're shoes for those who aren't listening. That look kind of like socks. They well, they're not even socks because socks don't do this. Except toe, for toe socks. socks. <laughs> toe socks. Okay. There's a there's a little pocket for each of your toesies in it, so your toes can spread out because that's how we used to be. I've even known a person who's done uh, toe training. Oh my goodness. Where they put these things. I'm imagining like tiny little uh, dumbbells. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> doing the toe curl yes <laughs> that's a different thing um no but it's like these little cork pieces that you put between your toes because they saw a picture of person in south american village that had these hand feet for climbing trees because that's what they do and that's how human feet are supposed to look so clearly I am wrong and I need to start making my toes look like a hand and callus them up real good so that I can climb trees. No, we don't climb trees anymore. Yeah, especially not the we person. We figured out this whole walking thing way yeah. more useful than being able to climb a tree. Yeah, running too, you know. Yes. Instead of loping around on our knuckles as a chimpanzee would or mm-hmm. a gorilla on all fours. Um. And what's funny about this is the person I know that wears toe shoes also happens to be the person least likely to A, be able to climb a tree or B, would. Um, but they tell everybody on their VR headset that they wear them because they're trying to go back to being. Yes. Return to monkey. Return to monkey. Yes. Monkey with VR headset. So I don't know. I I, I feel like this was just going to kind of be a throwaway topic because it just bothered me enough. <laughs> and there's a lot of funny things about this topic, um, but it's it's shockingly prevalent. Like I think you can't, bump into anybody and talk to them for too long before you hear something kind of like this, you know, um, like back in my day can often be followed up by something about what's natural and what isn't like, can you believe that we used to have to sit far away from the TV and now we strap them to our, our faces. That's not natural. Yeah, you're right. Human eyes were meant to observe things from a distance like a television. <laughs> great you know <laughs> perfect analogy because that's what they're talking about but yes um yeah you know it, here we see a wild television <laughs> yes the local see. humans are stalking <laughs> yes now this one now this this is pretty old because this television has not evolved a color display yet but uh soon they will i now i want to make one of those you know those evolution shirts where it has like a, an ape that progressively gets more erect yes i want that but tvs but like in the same format where it's like the the giant wooden analog box yes. tube then to the, the plastic tube to the slightly thinner tube to the yes first you get the, you get the flat screen panel but you gotta have the projector panel one in there too yes um well th- then you need to make it one of those funny uh uh evolution uh devolution shirts and then it goes uh, all the way down to a smartphone <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know. I feel like it's. I feel like we've beaten the dead horse a little bit with this topic, but I think there's just so many examples we could go on for quite some time. Um, but if not this, I think maybe we should take a little bit of time, and we kind of touched on it earlier. But just because you shouldn't rely on nature as a reason why things are good, also doesn't necessarily mean that everything that isn't air quote natural. Remember, we granted the definition of artificial to people to use here. That doesn't mean that new and artificial is always better either. No. It's equally dumb to say, well, this is clearly the newfangled technology. It's clearly better than nature. It's just as dumb to say that as to say nature's how it should be. Like They are both equally dumb things to say because they're just bad reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know they're bad reasons because anytime someone shows you a new piece of tech, they don't stop there. They tell you what about it is new. They give you the real reasons why this is the good thing, even if they're a salesperson and being dishonest. Only iPhone users need to be told that it's the next number and that's good enough to go buy it, right? Mm-hmm. Most things you're sold that are technology, well, that's not even technology, but most things that you sell are that are technology someone tells you it's new your first inclination is to go okay cool i need to get one it's well what about it is so neat yeah why do i need to change my current behavior what's so wrong with the way i'm doing things now and here come the reasons you know you know that's and and actually well and okay there's 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 two maybe motivations for for skepticism for new technology one is the the conservative intuition of why should i change what i'm doing now the other 
is the maybe more practical intuition, which is why should I part with more of my money uh, for for the new thing? Well, I was going to say, why is, I was going to ask, like, why is it not our intuition to question, well, this is how it's done in nature. Why is the inclination not to say, yeah, but like, but why is it better though? Why am I going to part with my technology to do that? Yeah. Why, why well, don't we? And there are people who ask that as well. True. Like us right now. But I feel like it's less common to hear someone go, but wait, why would I, A, spend more money? Because, spoiler alert, sometimes going backwards means more expensive. Mm, depends. Uh, but yeah. Especially, okay, I'm thinking more about like things like diet right now. Yes. If you want to buy organic all the things, it's going to cost more. Mm -hmm. Well, especially if you need to buy a plot of land and then grow it yourself. Oh, true. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then also, by the way... Um, I'm going to buy a plot of land and a spear. <laughs> and I'm going to forage. <laughs> Imagine asking the real estate agent how many like berry bushes there are on the property because you intend to survive what, off of them. What, what kind of wildlife can I expect out here? You know, <laughs> how big a spear do I need? Are there a sufficient number of flint stones that I can use to start fires on this piece of land? What about obsidian? I've heard that you can chip obsidian into a spear because i can't even buy a spear that's technology too true i gotta make my own yeah <laughs> golly um, how many fibrous plants are there for me to make geez, my own string and rope fibrous <laughs> plants oh uh, <laughs> is there a natural running water that i can use <laughs> what's the climate like in this land can i survive for a while with just nothing on until i kill an animal and take its skin to make my own clothes and golly um, yeah, that's hardcore mode. Yeah, that sounds so much easier. That sounds so much simpler and better than. Yeah, why can't we just go back to when things were simpler? Yeah, like like that. Could, yeah, why can't we go back to things were simpler when milk was only a dollar at the grocery store? Wait, hold on. Like that's not too simple. That's not simple enough. Pepperidge Farm remembers, but but yeah, I, that that is a funny thing. I don't I don't know why the inclination is not to hear. Well, you know, in nature we we did this. It's like cool, but uh, why would I change what I'm doing? Like why? It almost seems like the appeal to nature trumps somehow the conservative bias a bit because it's more conservative almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the ultimate conser conservative intuition that, yeah, we should just, yeah, forego all of the the new and old fangled things. <laughs> we should go back to the oldest fangled the, the things. The not fangled things. <laughs> the not, I want to go back pre-fangling. <laughs> That's where I'm headed. The anti-fangler movement. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, they're not even Luddites. I can't make Fanglerites a thing. That just sounds wrong. No. But uh, but yeah, that's a funny one. But yeah, I, mean, I guess back to the whole thing. Just because something's new doesn't mean it's good. You know, um, there are plenty. And I think that's also a thing too, is we've had plenty of cautionary tales about progress. I think that's a pretty well understood thing that people should be concerned about. You know, like... Uh, why would you smoke a pipe? That's bad for you. Have a cigarette. It's got a filter on it. Thank you, technology. Clearly better, you know? <laughs> for example, hey, why would you burn fossil fuels? Just take this radioactive element and put it in your house instead, obviously. Or, no, no, no. Here's a better example. Wood burns bad, but rock's expensive. Why don't we just make sheets of fine glass that we can put as insulation that will not catch on fire? It's a great technology. It's also asbestos. Yes. That also just happens to just annihilate your lungs. But, you know. Just don't touch it. Just don't touch it. Yeah. Obviously. Simple as. Just don't touch it. Don't shake it. Don't disturb it at all. And you'll never have to worry about a fire. <laughs> like... You know, so I think there's just been, maybe that's what it is, is in our zeitgeist, there's just been enough cautionary tales of progress that maybe people are a little too apprehensive about progress. I mean, progress. yes, th yeah, th there definitely is a finer, th there, there is a balance to be found in in how quickly we adopt, you know, how, how much should we test things before we actually uh, shift them into production, so to speak? Oh, wow. Nice. Um, uh, you can't test things enough. Right. That's the thing. Well, and just like in the software world where I just made that analogy to, um, a lot of times you don't find the bugs until it goes to production. Called zero-day exploits. <laughs> um, well, yeah, just because your sample size in testing is too small, right? Yeah. Um, or the time scale is too short. Either way. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't find out 
oops, turns out there's a big problem with that. Unfortunately, 200 million people are exposed now <laughs> because we went to market with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, not great. But it'll be interesting. I wonder what phenomena would have to occur where people realize that going backwards too fast should is also a cautionary tale. Like I wonder I wonder if that'll ever happen. Because to to the credit of those wanting to regress, at least you know what you're going to get. And that, I think, is also something that we as humans find very comfortable. Yes, predictability. It's, it's, it's a manifestation of the conservative intuition. Right. Fear of the unknown. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those are probably the reasons why it's just so effective. Is it, A, it appeals to the same sense of the thing that would normally prevent you from making a dumb change, that something unpredictable, because it, on the face at least, seems unpredictable or very predictable um but it's still i don't know it's still annoying i maybe this is not this topic but maybe it could be a topic for some other time um dunning kruger as an effect Mm. um i feel like there's a weird due to the advent of the internet there there has all of a sudden been a mass rise in dunning krugerism because one of the benefits to everyone being able to know about everything if they so chose is that you can learn any amount of anything. Yes. And you're not required to see it through to full understanding. Yes. And kind you can of, take the not even a one oh one course worth worth of research. Exactly. And just start and, and think that you have a pretty good idea about it, yes. For those who don't know, yeah, the Dunning Kruger effect basically is that uh well or at least the uh the, the the popular understanding because this is a whole topic unto itself probably yeah. um is that uh when your 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 level of confidence about a topic follows a certain curve in which when you first learn when you know nothing about it you have no confidence at all naturally because you have no comp- no knowledge as soon as you have a little knowledge you are very confident about it um because now you know way more than you did before and then after you learn a little bit more, you realize how much more there is for you to know. So your confidence plummets back down close to zero again. Mm-hmm. And then there's a steady climb from there as you actually become an expert. Right. Um, then, of course, there's my favorite, the meta Dunning-Kruger effect, in which people experience the Dunning-Kruger effect about the Dunning-Kruger effect. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a good one. Um, but I feel like that is... The internet definitely, I think, exacerbates things and obviously makes things like the meta Dunning Kruger effect a thing. Because where are you more likely to run into that than a someone telling you about it or you just casually picking it up? Um, but it's very easy for things that just on the cuff. Because remember, we're only getting a cuff's worth of knowledge here. Um, it's easy to string a few things together to make sense and feel like you really did something there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I would be willing to bet, and maybe this is going to be something we talk a bit about if we ever decide to do the Dunning-Kruger effect as an episode and proper. I'd be interested to think about, can you be aware of this and intentionally somewhat deny yourself additional knowledge about it? Because there's something extremely satisfying in feeling like you really did something to only find out later that you're just flat wrong because you Dunning-Kruger yourself. Hmm. So maybe more on that some other time. Won't guarantee next time. I need to stop making promises that we'll do a next episode because I'll forget. Um, but I guess to summarize this, um, the whole problem... Nature is bad, we decided. <laughs> Nature is bad, we decided. <laughs> join the dead mall of the virtual world or else. Um, no, I think the underlying topic here is something I think that you could find similar to a lot of the things we do on the show. And that is there are dumb reasons for things and appealing to nature and worshiping nature just because nature is dumb um, because balance is dumb, not a good reason or the inverse because is new also dumb. Uh, You have to have real reasons for doing things. And the reasons we do things are often vastly complicated. Um, Again, inspired by the book. This is the last time I'll mention it, I promise. I'm not shilling it. I'm not paid. Uh, I'm not a paid actor. Um, but Kurtzkazak 
feel free. Yeah, feel free. If you want, I'll be a paid actor if you let me. Um, <laughs> one of the things I love about it is that it constantly acknowledges the fact that this is a gross oversimplification. It's like, hey, these 300 pages of this book are not even scratching the surface of what you really need to know to say that you understand it. But take that and know that and then also be happy with the fact that you still know more about it than you did before. But don't do what I'm doing right now and go and make it about every subject of conversation like you know something, you know? Uh, same thing about the old versus new or worshiping nature. That's not natural. It, it's it's There's a multiplex of things that are annoying about it. One is that they're bad reasons, but the other is that they're bad reasons applied in bad ways. And... I don't know. It just, it grinds my gears a little bit to hear it. And I'm glad that I was able to vent all that out. So that's the hour, I suppose. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this topic, check out parallel episodes about liberalism and conservatism. For real. Take these two things and make them political philosophies. And there you go. Yes. And I guess until next time, philosophers. Philosophers. If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.